0: Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. I'm going to start this message with a bet. Now, I know it's slightly controversial to begin a message with uh, gambling, but nonetheless, no money involved. So so roll with me on it, okay? Uh, I'm willing to bet that your job, your career, your work, whatever that may be, uh, is almost certainly slightly less satisfying than you would like it to be. Um, You know, I I think uh, for many of us, we have this idea of kind of a dream job, dream scenario that we're going to work in. And most of the time, what we actually end up doing doesn't quite live up to the very high expectations that we tend to have for that. Um, Now, obviously, I work here at C3. That's not an issue for me. My job is pure bliss from start to finish. There is never a challenging moment, never anything that goes wrong. It is a joy. Every single second, more climactic than the last, just never, never have an issue whatsoever. Um, Obviously that is rare and also I am lying. Uh, So uh, despite the fact that I work here, I'm gonna be honest, there are times when it's difficult. Um, I swear that our printer has a demon Um, particularly a demon that hates me uh, probably because I'm more sanctified than the other staff members but nonetheless uh, pretty sure that that's the case Uh, there are times when I get frustrated there are times when I'm tired there are times whenever I am uh, I I, hit it grumpy I know I know hard to believe but it does happen here at church and um, I think that is going to be true for all of us Uh, The title of today's message is is Vocational Health, uh, which is a slightly convoluted title. It's basically talking about health in your work life. If you don't know what vocational means, it's the opposite of vacation, uh, vocation, vacation. Vocation is a job. Vacation is not being at your job. Um, And uh, I I would say that if I'm honest, at the beginning of this message, um, I, I don't necessarily feel that qualified to talk about vocational health um, I wouldn't rate myself super high on the vocational health uh, spectrum, if you want to call it that, or whatever scale or ranking system you would have. Uh, I, I think historically, I've not been very vocationally healthy. Uh, and so I got really challenged as I was kind of prepping this message and thinking about it. Um, I just want to share some of, I suppose, what I've been working through uh, with you guys today. So, um, I believe that we have probably got, um, and in fact, not just probably, I'm certain that we have a very strange view of work in today's 21st century world. I think we have we have strange views of it. Um, I think if many of you, if you think about vocational ill health, if you think about having an unhealthy perspective of work, what you probably tend to think of is kind of the... Um, you know someone who's working 80 hours a week workaholic trying to work their way up the ranks uh, and i think historically that's often been uh, a form of of unhealthy work i think that's been a thing what i would say is that's often connected to kind of a a modernist mindset if you want to go back in into sort of the world views that underlie some of these things and i think maybe some of the slightly older generation if you think baby boomers um and up probably more tend to go that way when they're unhealthy towards work um but actually, I think the younger generation, if you think sort of millennials, maybe Gen Xers, millennials and down, um, I think we also have an unhealthy view of work, but I think it's different. I think we've rejected a lot of that idea of, well, you've got to you know, put in enormous hours and work your way up and your job has to make you rich. And instead, what we've said is, well, our job has to make us happy. And uh, and we have we have in, instead built careers not so much uh, so not so much around sort of making ourselves uh, um, you know climb the ranks a, a, and put in enormous hours a, and more around sort of a constant need to feel perfectly satisfied in our jobs at every single given moment. Um, I think we have a bunch of maxims in society, a bunch of sort of mottos and quotes that we all assume are true and that actually might not be true and that line up with that worldview. So if you think about one of this, uh, one of them is this, um, follow your passion, always follow your passion. Um, I, 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 it's not there's no truth in that, but I don't know if you've met you Okay, but I'm going to be honest, if you're anything like me, your passion probably lasts about five minutes or probably doesn't necessarily lead to a career. Like I'm deeply passionate about Arsenal, but the reality is, you know, I'm not going to be a professional footballer only because of my dodgy knees and lack of talent, but primarily the knee thing, right? Uh, you know, following your passion is is something that is an interesting idea, but it's not necessarily completely biblical. And yet we've sort of assumed that. We ask people, why do you want the job here at the food packaging company? And you've got to reply, well, I've always been passionate about, you know, well-packaged vegetables. That's always been on my heart. And, and the reality is, a lot of the time that's not true. You're just passionate about not dying and you want to get money. And that's kind of, you know, that. That's something that our society says, well, that's, you have to follow your passion at all times. Is that correct? I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting it's an interesting question to ask. Um, another one of those maxims is, is follow your dreams. Uh, every year at the Oscars, someone stands up and they proudly declare to all the young boys and girls watching, you know, Hey, if you just believe and follow your dream, you too can stand here like me and be a, a multi-millionaire actor or actress. Um, and again, that seems unusual. That that doesn't really. I mean, does that play out in reality? You know, uh, I mean it wasn't their talent, it wasn't their hard work, it wasn't their luck, it wasn't their connections. It was just belief in a dream that was sufficient to give them the dream career that they wanted. Is that right? I mean that doesn't that doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. There's a whole bunch of people who have followed dreams uh, and it's not worked out the way it's worked out for the very, very, very lucky few who happen to win an Oscar. Um, another one here's here's my my favorite one of these Maxims. Is do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. Um, you know I, I, that the, I let me let me prove to you why that one isn't true. Um, I, I I don't know how many of you may be married or you have kids or whatever, but um, we we have a, a young son. He's almost two, and he teeths really, really badly. Like like really badly. He gets really high temperatures. Up all night for nights on end. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, vomiting with, with the, uh, the temperatures that he's having and stuff. It's, uh, we've had a rough few months of that, if I'm honest. Now, I, I love him to bits, right? He is great. At the same time, I've never been there cleaning the sick off myself and going, well, this is just great. What am i am going to do next? Maybe go-karting. We might try explosive diarrhea. This is all part of the fun. And... Um, even things that you love often end up being work and so uh, what we've I think we've we've adopted this idea when it comes to a career that your career must satisfy you completely that it must be fun at all times that it must give you adoration and love and it's got to pay the bills really well and that co-worker isn't there you know the one I'm talking about I'm sure you all have one of those Uh, I don't obviously but you know uh, we, we all have these things and and we believe we put so much stock into our career that it becomes the source of our hope and joy in life and the Bible has a term for that calls it an idol that's what it would say about that that if you're expecting that from career from your career you're expecting from your career something that only God can give it's a lot of pressure to put on your boss Right. What do you want out of this job? Just I just want it to be heaven constantly. That's all I want out of this job. I mean, that that seems uh, rather high stakes to be putting into your in your job. Um, and so I think that vocational ill health, I think that an unhealthy view of work, it doesn't just look like the sort of Fortune 500 company CEO slaving away, you know, working 100 hours a week, that sort of thing. I think it can also look like the um, the person who can't keep a job for more than 10 minutes because it doesn't immediately hand them everything on a silver platter. I think it can look like that. I think that that is an unhealthy view of work because you're expecting from work something that work cannot give. And here's, here's the rub. I think that we have Christianized that idea and we call it a calling We've Christianized that idea and we've said, uh, we've, we've put a spiritual term on it. we said, you have a calling and your calling is going to be the best thing ever. And it's going to be so much fun constantly, all the time. Nothing will ever go wrong. And not only will it pay the bills and not only will it be super fun, but you will tingle with the presence of God constantly whilst at work and get an eternal reward to boot. Now, I believe in callings i'm I'm going to talk about callings here, but can I just say just right off the bat, that job does not exist, okay? It does not exist. Do not be believing God for that job because He is not going to give it to you, and he's not going to create one out of thin air for you. That is placing too much stock in your job, and we tend to do that. We can do that as Christians very easily. in fact. I think when, when we put a spiritual term onto it and we, we say that that's a calling, um, what tends to happen is if we lose that or that doesn't work out the way we'd hoped, um, we don't just lose a job, we, we lose our identity entirely. Like we've put so much stock into this job. We've put so much stock into getting everything out of this and it just has to be the best. And if it doesn't work out, we fall apart. And the Bible does not tell us to treat work that way. So we want to have a look at what the Bible says about calling, uh, and four big points that I think the Bible gives us, and give us some verses. Um, The first big point is this, your calling is primarily about salvation, like the foundation for your work, the foundation for your job, the foundation for your career, it is salvation. That is the core of all of this. Um, I'll give you a few verses. There are a whole bunch. If you type in the word calling into BibleGateway.com, it's a big Bible website, Um, you type it in there, you'll see that pretty much all of them refer to calling as salvation. Like that's really the core of calling. That's really what it's about. I'll give you a few. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. It says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, there's that word calling, to which you have been called. It talks then about uh, the next couple of verses about what the manner, how you're supposed to walk. But then in verse four, it goes back and tells us what that calling is. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all, um, who is over all and through all in all. So Ephesians 4 tells us calling is really ultimately about salvation. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 has the same basic sentiment Uh, verse 9 it says who saved us and called us to a holy calling that is a calling um, not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus so it's really about what Jesus has done for us that's really what a calling is Uh, last one I'll give you there's a whole bunch but uh, you can check them out for yourself but Hebrews 3 says this therefore holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses who also was faithful in all God's house. So heavenly calling is a calling about heaven and it's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. Your calling is not primarily your work. Your calling is primarily his work. Your calling is not primarily what you will do for him. It is primarily what he has done for you. Your calling is not primarily giving out towards God. It is primarily God giving towards you. We will not sit in heaven and boast about the great things that we have done we will sit in heaven and boast about the great things that he has done for us and that is the foundation of calling. That's how whatever you're called to do in this life doesn't become the source of your identity because your identity is found ultimately in what Jesus has done for you. I think this helps us. Let's say, for instance, you have a calling to something big, you have a calling to something uh, significant and that may cause you to stand before crowds and so on, right? Um, that is something really difficult to deal with. I-, I don't know how many of you, most of you I'm assuming watching will know Kanye West. I love Kanye West okay not musically I'm not into his music he is just my spirit animal though as a person Kanye West is the guy he is funny controversial in your face he's all the things that I love and love to watch he's hilarious he's married to Kim Kardashian who is famous for being Kim Kardashian and uh, but but just just imagine your um the challenge of having a a platform like his right where you know Everybody knows your name and every time you release a piece of music, everybody, just the whole world goes out and buys it and you stand up on stage and everybody chants your name over and over like you are some kind of demigod, right? Now Kanye West, um, I think he's handled that about how most of us would handle it, which is... Not great, okay? The guy's obviously, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and criticize him because I think most of us, uh, hey, he's, he's a slightly edgy character, but most of us, if we had that, we would struggle with it the exact same way. And I think the only way to actually handle a calling of, of magnitude, a calling which will get you uh, put on a platform of anything like that, the only way to handle that is to start with salvation, and to realize that whatever you do, it says nothing about you as a person. The thing that says something about you as a person is God and what he has done for you. Like you do not need to do something great to be considered great in the sight of God. Jesus did something great so that you can be considered great in the sight of God. You do not need to earn a blessing by being famous and you're not working yourself up to something by by that sort of great calling that you have. Actually, it has been given to you freely in Jesus. It comes from him. That is the core of how you handle a calling like that. That is where it comes from. You've got to start with salvation. And you've got to realize that whatever we do for God, whatever that might be, ultimately, it's kind of like, you know, a a toddler scribbling on a bit of paper and handing it to, to their father. And the father has paid for the crayons and he's paid for the paper and he's paid for the house and he's created the son and all of that stuff. Like that is how we handle our calling, we realise that what we are doing is not really something that great compared to what Jesus has done who has saved the entire world through the giving of himself and living a perfect life. Our greatness pales in comparison to that. And so when it comes to calling, we have to start with salvation, especially if you have a great calling, if you're called to something that is going to put you up on a platform. Uh, I think we also need that if our calling is not as great as that. Um, I know we tell every single person that they're going to change the world. Um, statistically, most of us are not. Like, not in the way that you, th- you imagine whenever, you s- whenever someone tells you that you're going to change the world. Okay, there are 7 billion people on the planet. And the average lifetime is 22 million seconds. I googled this, okay, I didn't work it out. Which means that if we're all going to change the world, the world is going to have to change every .003 seconds, which is quite a lot of change. And I think that'd be quite a schizophrenic world if every .003 seconds, it was radically changing. Um, this, By the way, saying stuff like this is why I don't get invited to do motivational talks in schools, okay? Um, but a lot of scripture is actually written to the mundane and the ordinary. Uh, A lot of scripture is written to having a job and, and, you know, loving your kids and being part of a church and serving the people around you. It is not telling us that we all as individual people are going to radically, single-handedly change the world. Actually, how we change the world as the church is you change your world and we all do that together and you change your sphere of influence and you raise your kids and you uh, do your best to reach the people around you and you do good work and that is what changes the world. Now, that is okay if you realize, and it's similar to having something that is gonna put you on a big platform, something that doesn't put you on a great platform, is worthwhile and worth doing, because again, it doesn't say something about you as a person. What says something about you as a person is what Jesus has done for you. That's the core of this. Uh, Another another way in in which this plays out is, what if you're called to something that's really difficult and uncomfortable? Many of us think that we'd love to have a calling like the Apostle Paul. Um, Let me read you the Apostle Paul's calling just so you know what it was because you think that that's a great calling. Apostle Paul's calling was this. Uh, It says in Acts 9, it says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Now, if God came to you, just imagine God came to you and said this, you're a chosen instrument. You'd be like, oh, yes, come on. Uh, He's going to carry my name before the Gentiles. Yes, Lord, yes, I am. Uh, And kings, come on. And the children of Israel, yes, I will. And then just a little bit, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And you go, uh, sorry, what was that last bit? And God goes, yeah, apostle to the Gentiles great. And he goes, no, after that, it's like, "Um, kings and the children of Israel. And you go, no, 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 that very last bit. What was that last bit? Um, Oh, you're going to have to suffer for the sake of my name. I I think most of us would not really enjoy that kind of calling. Um, And certainly by all accounts, Paul's life was not an easy and enjoyable life. Um, Paul had a really difficult life. Um, uh, you, You know, we think of him as a great man, but in his day, he was a weirdo and an outcast. Like, he, he Paul was not a celebrity preacher Paul, you would not have followed him on Instagram you, he, he would have been the sort of person you wanted to distance yourself from right like at the end of his life the churches that he'd planted he had, had a big impact but it was sort of a controversial out there impact a lot of the churches that he had planted left him uh, and he was ultimately executed as a criminal like we think that that is uh, we think that he's got a great calling but actually in his life his calling was really really difficult And again, the only way that that's okay, the only way that you can live out a difficult calling is to realize that your primary calling is to be saved by Jesus. That's the only way any of us will get through this. So our calling is primarily salvation. Um, Second second point on this, um, it is spiritual to pay the bills and have a job. Uh, By the way, the rest of these points are a little bit quicker. I just wanted to lay a good foundation. But it's spiritual to pay the bills and have a job. You know, God wants us to be financially independent. Tells us that a couple of places. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Um, And 2 Thessalonians says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. What it says, what the Bible is telling us there is that having a normal job and paying the bills is a matter of serious spiritual importance. Um, so so whether or not you're willing to work, if now we understand many times in society it's hard to work, many times people can't get a job, many times you know, for various reasons people struggle with this, but ultimately God's best is that if you can work, you should. If you can pay the bills, you should. You're not too spiritual for a job, and you're not too spiritual for a normal job. And God puts spiritual weight on this, saying that if you can and you don't, that actually you're doing something that's sinful. Um, This is because work itself is actually spiritual. Work is a spiritual practice. If you read Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1, what do we see God doing We see God working. We see him at work. We see him making stuff, building stuff. God is a gardener. God is a a nuclear physicist making the sun and forming nuclear fission. Um, god is a midwife uh, bringing people uh, into this world god is a king ruling over the world like god is doing work and then he tells man to go into the world genesis 2:15, and he says to work it that's not part of the curse that's part of the blessing of being a human being is actually that we will work and we're going to work in heaven how do you know that Well, God is working in heaven right now, and it's clearly not a sinful thing. Sin will be gone, work will not. Um, Jesus spent 90% of his life working as a carpenter, and it was all spiritual. Like, we focus on the last three years, and rightly so, because he said a lot of really important stuff in the last three years, but 90% of Jesus' life was spent doing carpentry. He was working a normal job. And can I just say, you are not more spiritual than Jesus, right? You never will be. So if Jesus wasn't too spiritual for a normal job, neither are you. Martin Luther talks about this. Um, In his day, it was very much a sense of the church was dominant and to be spiritual, you really had to work in the church. And what Luther discovered in scripture, one of the things that he picked out and that he emphasized was that actually we are all priests, Every single human being is a priest which means that all of your work is done before God. Everything that you do is service and can be service to God. Uh, So whether that is, you know, putting food on the table, whether that is helping someone buy their own food to put on the table in a supermarket, whether that is uh, working as a doctor or whether that is building something from nothing or it's writing code, these are things that are spiritual and can be done as service to God. Um. Luther actually, he talks about it in, in Sam he, he talks about Psalm 147. And it talks about God um, putting food on the table and bars on the gates. And what he says is, well, how God does that is through people doing that. And he says, our work is like God putting on a mask to serve the world through us. It's a phenomenal idea. So as Christians, we should work and we should work as Christians. And by the way, how you do work as a Christian is this. Do it well. You do it well. That is the primary Christian calling when it comes to work. You're not more Christian by creating a t-shirt that has a Christian slogan on it. Actually, what you should do is create a good t-shirt. Like, that's a good thing in and of itself. You're clothing someone. That is a good thing. And so we should work as Christians. All of our work is spiritual. And therefore, we should do it well. Uh, Point number three. Um, your perceived calling and your career might not be the same thing, okay? Your perceived calling and your career might not be the same thing. I believe, I mean, I've, I've sort of critiqued some of our ideas around calling, but I do believe that we're called to stuff. I, I believe you're called to stuff that is, um, th- that is based in the church as well. I think the Bible is very clear that we've all been given spiritual gifts and you're meant to serve with them in the church, Um, I believe that there are passions and things on your heart that you're supposed to do something about. And that is awesome. That is a good thing. But I think we often use the term calling and we associate it directly with a career, that it has to be something that you're paid full time to do. Um, Going back to the Apostle Paul again, uh, what was his calling? Uh, He was an apostle, right? So he was planting churches, doing miracles, writing the New Testament, Pretty high-level guy, you might say. Probably made the biggest impact of anybody in the history of the church, bar Jesus, okay? What was the Apostle Paul's job? He was a tent maker. The Bible tells us there's a couple of places that Paul paid his bills by making tents. Now, he didn't do that the entire time, but he, we know he did it in Corinth, and we know he did it in Thessalonica, which meant that Paul was doing his work of an apostle as someone who was unpaid. Like Paul's letters were his Facebook messages. He didn't get paid to write. He didn't get commissioned to write a book. You know, it wasn't a paid thing. He did, it. he did it as a volunteer. Paul was, hear me out, the highest capacity volunteer in history. Paul was the highest capacity volunteer in history. He made a ton of stuff happen and didn't get paid to do it. Now, that doesn't mean if you can get paid for what you're passionate about, if you can get paid that what you're called uh, for for what you feel called to do, um, that you shouldn't. Well, of course you should. I mean, if your bills are whatever way your bills are paid, great. But make sure your bills get paid. And uh, do you know what? If if you're doing something on the side, that doesn't make it invalid. Like if you're if you're Passion and calling isn't something that you're paid for. That doesn't mean it isn't work in the sight of God. Actually, it can be. It is still real work that God is calling you to do. I actually think there's a, a lot of things that we don't in our society consider to be work that God considers to be work. Um, we, we sort of think that, a, you know, a, a work has to be like a traditional job, 40, 50, 50, hours a week whatever it might be various places around the world but you know what if you leave the workforce and you you're able to do this you got again got to pay the bills but if you're able to do this and you're able to leave the workforce and you go from working 40 to 50 hours a week and instead you go to raising kids which is twelve thousand or so hours a week do you know what that is still work Taking care of a sick loved one is still work in the sight of God. Uh, Volunteering and offering your time freely is still work in the sight of God. It can be and is part of your calling whether or not you're paid for it. And I think often callings go through phases. Like often there are times when you're going to get paid for the thing that you really feel that you're meant to do. There'll be other times when you're not paid to do that. There are other times when your calling doesn't, doesn't become your full-time occupation, it becomes a part-time occupation because you've got to go and pay the bills or, or you got to go and, you know, as I said, raise kids or take care of a, a, a sick family member. Let's not assume that calling and career are synonymous. They're not necessarily... Just because something doesn't line up with your career doesn't mean that it isn't something you're called to do and it doesn't mean that it isn't work. You're permitted to do things that are not uh, career-based. If you can pay the bills and you're able to do it, do you know what? You should pursue your calling and you can do it without getting paid for it. And God will honour that. God is not criticising you for doing that. God loves that. Okay, last point. I'm going to close with this. Even if you are called to your career, your career is not all that you're called to do. Even if you are called to your career, your career is not all that you're called to. Uh, This is a big one for me. I think this is where I get unhealthy because I I feel that I am called to this. I feel I'm called to ministry um, and uh, do you know what? I'm paid to do it. I'm, I'm here and I get to do it full time and I'm thankful to God for that. But that is where I think many of us, if you feel very passionately about your work, we can get a little bit too gung-ho, we can get a little bit too full-on and forget that actually God also calls us to do other things. Um, Yes, your calling is something you're commanded by God to do. Whatever it is that you're meant to do, you have to do that and you're supposed to do that. But you're also supposed to do other things. You're supposed to raise your kids, um, you're supposed to love your wife well, you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to attend church. You're supposed to serve. You're supposed to take a day of rest. That's a big one, right? You're supposed to do that. These are all things that we're called to do. You're not only called to your career. You're called to your career, many of us, and that you're, we're all called to work. And many of us will feel that we are passionate about our careers and that that's something we're called to do. But we're also called to a whole bunch of other stuff. And that stuff is absolutely vitally important. And let me me say this and just be really clear on this. You can miss out on a huge portion of what you're called to do by only focusing on a small bit of what you're called to do. If you assume that the only thing you're called to do is work, you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of other stuff that God has called you to do. And you have to come as disciples of Jesus. We have to come to him at the end with not just what we did in work and say, yeah, I did this but come with our whole lives and say, all of this was done in obedience to you. All of this was given to you. We have to recognize that Jesus rules and reigns over the whole thing. So back to my bet, close with this. Maybe your lack of satisfaction in work is coming from the idea that your job will give you something that God never intended it to give you. Maybe that's why you're not satisfied completely in your work, because God never intended you to be completely satisfied in work. Your primary calling is to be saved. It is to know him, and everything flows out from that. Work, therefore, becomes a phenomenal tool of worship, but it is a lousy object of worship. Work is something that we do for him, whether we're particularly passionate about it or not, whether we're just getting a job to pay the bills, that can be worship, or we feel that we're called to our career. But we should never, ever expect from our work that which only God can give. Your identity can't be found there. Your your, your fulfillment cannot be found there. Your satisfaction cannot be found there. It can be part of it, but it is not all of it. It is not everything. And ultimately, that is, I think, how we change the world. I don't think we change the world by all working ourselves to death and assuming that our calling is the biggest and greatest and, uh, and most important thing. Actually, we, we change the world by putting it in context and doing all of what God has commanded us to do, doing a, a living a holistic life, a healthy life in our work. Amen